Good morning, second service. I tell you, it is great to be in a place where true believers gather on a holiday. Maybe because you don't have a condo at the beach, but you're here anyway. <laughs> Actually, uh, the first service looked great. Those, those early risers, I think they've, when people come in their beach wear, it's kind of, what you doing today? You know, but they got church in there. Saw a few sandals, a few uh, board shorts. <clears throat> so, it's Memorial Day weekend, and you know, people go, are you going to go fishing? You never go to those places on Memorial Day weekend. Like, like, hey, let's take mom out on Mother's Day. Are you crazy? That secret got out. Everyone is doing it. So, so congratulations. You made the best choice of all choices. You're here with us, with the family. Um, Memorial Day is when, when you pay tribute and you know, most people say a prayer for those who have fallen in uh, support of uh, the, the freedom that we live in. But I read a quote from General Patton, and only General Patton uh, could say such a thing, and it's, it's powerful, it's short, it's, it impacts you. <clears throat> he said, it is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. Isn't that powerful? Well, let's pray. Father, we do want to just thank you for the men and women who would put themselves in harm's way. Father, for what they put their families through, that we could have the freedoms that we live with today. And Father, honor them. We honor them in Jesus' name. We're finishing up the marks of the church. Someone had suggested that we put a picture of me, a picture of little Marky, little, and that that'd be the marks of the church. But no, it's, we're not going there. <clears throat> the marks of the church is what, what we've, the, the, the significant things about the church. You know, some churches are known for this and known for that. Um, but worldwide, uh, through the centuries, there are, there are certain marks that the church made on society. And there's been an attack against the church because the church in the past has been so powerful. People wanted to know what the pastor said, what the bishop was doing. In the past, uh, Finney, who was a lawyer, a great revivalist, he said that for a pastor who to the pastor and the church not to get involved politically said they were, they were walking away from their responsibilities. It used to be in, in America, if you wanted to talk about politics, you either went to the tavern or to the church. It was the duty of the church to help shape the culture of its town. And that is the reason I believe that there's been such an attack on the church to silence the church. And so as we see what the marks of the church are, we're going to see that they create, the marks of the church create and affect culture. It becomes a culture to itself. And so the world is trying to remove 
the church, the effects that the church has. It's interesting if you got uh, a room full, if you get a lawyer in the room, a doctor in the room, an engineer in the room, and a pastor in the room, and you go in there, and they go, someone throws up a question, they go, um, what do you think the, the weight span on something that's 30 foot across here holding up this, what do you think, who are they going to ask? The engineer. They go, they, it's not, they go right to the engineer. They go, listen, I've got a contract I need to work on. Who are they going to ask? All right. They say, hey, it hurts when I do this. Who are they going to ask? But you say something about the future of mankind, what Jesus would do in this situation, and it's up, open for anyone to comment on. They've taken away that there, is, there are some people who study, there are people who have discernment and understanding on matters. And see, in the past, if you wanted to know, uh, have an answer for something spiritual, you would go to a pastor. Now you can ask anybody in the room because they're all experts. And it's not a bowl of sour grapes for me. It's, just, it's, it's what the world secularization has done to the church. It has silenced the church. It has silenced the church of having any value, any spiritual value to speak to the world. That that is not important anymore. It's almost foolish. So we're going to take a look at that today. And by the way, just as a warning, this is not going to be politically, politically correct. So if that offends you, please go for your coffee now at Starbucks. Okay. This, I do not want to offend, but one of the effects of the church, and it's actually the point I'm going to make, we're going to go through all the, the, the ones that we've touched on, but one of the, the last one that we're going to come up to is discernment. Jesus ordered us to be discerning, to discern this, to discern that. But what, is the what does the world say if you have a discerning moment about a situation? You can't judge me. You know, Jesus doesn't judge. You don't know Jesus. He's got a whip. He'll whip you. You know, <laughs> he, you know, he tells us to judge right from wrong, doesn't he? As soon as you do it, if the other guy's in the wrong, he's like, I feel so condemned. Wow. So that's been taken from the church. And I'm here to tell you, it's time for, for this church to stand up and take back that mark that we've been ordered to to do and to be, but there's a process to it. When, when an individual accepts the Lord, there's, there is a mark on an individual. When you experience Jesus, you have an encounter with Jesus, that's different. That affects you individually, privately. It can change who you are, the way you act, the way you dress, the way you speak, but it's pretty much an individual thing. But when those individuals get together and create a church, you've now created a culture. And that's what the church is supposed to be. We are to be our own culture. The way we speak, the things that we're living for, the things that we push away, the hopes that we have for one another. There are marks that, all the marks of the church isn't just for the church. The marks of the church is for culture. It affects the culture. So we move that way. But I would say in the last five decades, 50 years, there's been a cultural revolution to take the church out of the equation. 
to take the power and the influence away from the church. I remember, remember seeing George, George W. Bush. He, he was seen with, um, I think it was, uh, well, what's one of those 21, it's a Christian book. And he got ridiculed. And then they said, they said that no, uh, no president should be too religious. They said he should be a free thinker. I'm going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Uh, C.K. Chesterton, uh, he said, he goes, you know, even if I weren't a Christian, he goes, even if I weren't a Christian, I'd want my doctor, my lawyer, and my accountant to be Christians. Why? Because there's morality. I mean, every non-believer should want to surround their life with believers. So, there's uh, this word, it's called secularization, and this is what it means. Because to separate from religious or spiritual connection. So there's been a secularization in everything. What about school? I remember when I was in elementary school, we prayed every morning, said the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Hand over your heart. You can't do that now. Do you know that football coaches that who are paid on staff at school cannot pray for their players? They can be fired. Even Christian clubs are under, because it's exclusive, they go, we're going to be here and we're getting together because we believe in Jesus. You know, if you don't believe, that's fine, but you don't get to speak. And they say, well, that's exclusive. You can't be on campus if you're an exclusive club. But every other belief can be. There's an attack. Why is it on the Christians? Because we affect culture. It's, you see, the Bible, in its limiting man's behavior, it gives man more freedom. It gives us more liberty when the Bible tries to limit our behavior. But nowadays, you're going, you can't limit me. You can't judge me. Well, the Bible has a, a little bit to say about that. But there's a secularization in our schools, definitely in our universities. And even though most of the professors by far are non-Christians, even, even at that, there's, there's, such, there's still a God presence that now they're having safe zones that you can't say anything about God. You can't say anything that's judgmental. That this, these kids have to have a safe zone. There's no microaggression. Microaggression are little words like yes and no. That's aggressive. I've seen those posters and says, you know, here's what 18 year olds were doing in 1942, storming the beats of Normandy. Here's where they are in university today in their safe zone. Something has changed the culture. Culture has changed drastically. And in 50 years, we're down to this. And I want to, when we're done today, I want everyone to be inspired to say, you know what? I'm going to have the mark of the church on me. I'm going to be able to be discerning. Jesus demanded that I'd make a discernment and I understand this. And I have an opinion. I'm not condemning anyone. If you're on the wrong, if, if, if I offend you by something I've said according to the Bible, guess what? 
You being offended doesn't make you right. Did you hear that? Just because you were offended, that offended me. And all of a sudden, oh, well, they're right. No, they're not. They're offended and they're wrong. So, good golly. Have I offended anyone yet? I haven't tried hard enough. Okay, one. All right, all right. We'll make that two. <clears throat> You're short. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a microaggression word, short. <laughs> you know, the political... My goodness, be politically correct. It's in government. It's in politics. You know, they've taken the, the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom. They go, they go and they've removed any signs of the cross in public parks. They're trying to take the voice of God out of every bit of the culture around us. And you know what? They're trying to come and get us. No way. You want to hear something great? Target... Target lost 51 billion since they announced and that their sales. You know what they announced? They announced anybody can go in their bathrooms. All right, man, woman, 51 billion. It's like, I wonder if they're going to reverse that decision. So <clears throat> it doesn't matter where you go. The, the, it's, you can't say anything about your faith or what the Bible says about something or situation. The true marks of the church, Matthew 16, says, Jesus said, on this rock, what Peter said about Jesus, he says, on this rock, on that statement, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Does that sound like a politically correct statement? He says, wait a minute, because guys, I'm building a church here and nothing's going to overpower it. None of your political statement, none of your ideas of fairness. It is going to stand and stand strong. And that's the position that we need to take. We need to regain that, to know that what you're doing, what you believe in, is not to be held back. It's not to be put under a cover or under a bush or behind a wall. Said so the church has marks, and what makes the marks of all the marks of the church is that it's changes culture it creates culture <clears throat> so I have got this I uh, th there's a thing that Steve Turner he's British uh, I changed a few words I added a few I made it a little shorter but he originally wrote the modern thinkers creed and tell me if you don't recognize a few of these because we believe in Marx Freud and Darwin and we believe everything is okay as long as you don't hurt anyone to the best of your definition of hurt. That's really definite, isn't it? And to the best of your knowledge. We believe that sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe that adultery is normal. We believe that sodomy is okay. We believe that the, tattoo, the taboos are taboo. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you said this is what's right and wrong, you're going, you can't say that. Well, that's what they're saying. Well, you you, you can't give taboos, taboos. And let me tell you, the church, I've heard parents say that, you know, hey, the kids are kids. <laughs> Sorry, the Bible is the Bible. You know, it's like kids are kids. The Bible is the Bible. I'm going with the kids. You know, they've been here for about 18 years. They're good. Uh, <clears throat> we believe that everything, uh, everything's getting better despite evidence to the contrary. 
We believe that there's something to horoscopes, UFOs, and bent spoons. We believe Jesus was a good man, just like Buddha, Muhammad, and ourselves. Jesus was a good moral teacher, though we think his good morals are condemning and judgmental. We believe that all religions are basically the same. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, hell, heaven, God, and salvation. Just, just little, little things, little things. Um, oh, wait, 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 I said, we believe that each man must find the truth that is right for him. <laughs> Reality will adapt according to his truth. The universe will adjust to his truth. History will alter to his truth. When you hear, when you hear state of emergency, Sniper kills 10, youths go looting, bomb blast school. It's only the sound of man worshiping his maker, which is himself. And that's what secularization does. It's trying to remove discernment. Big discernment. So, I wrote down what I consider the marks of the church. And we've discussed these, and we've had five weeks to do it, and there's eight points, but they kind of have a running theme. <clears throat> it was the first thing, and these are in a process that needs to take place for us to get to the last mark of the church, which is discernment. So, you can't have discernment until you start off with making your doctrine doctrinally clear and that there's an authority of the scriptures. That the scriptures are your authority, not what you feel and think. Because without that, how do you discern anything without a guideline, without a baseline? This is our baseline. And, and this, the, the authority of scriptures, it needs to be simple and profound at the same time. And that's why when we, we talked about the Apostles' Creed, that you can learn the Apostles' Creed and and it's all boiled down to, it's just what the apostles did. Now I know, ah, gosh, this, there's so much. You know how Peter always likes to say, you know, prescriptive or descriptive? You know how he always just says that? And we're all sitting there going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, the, here's a perfect situation. We believe the scriptures are prescripted, okay, that we are to do what we saw the apostles do. There are churches that believe it's descriptive, which means, oh, it just says the apostles are doing this, doing this, and so we can just do crazy things too. But see, no, I believe that they're prescriptive. They're given, they're given to us for our safety. I want to do those crazy things that they're doing. But some churches are going, hey, they did crazy things. Let this crazy thing over here works. And that's how they get into all mysticism and all that other, other kind of junk mixed in with Christianity. And we have to be clear on that. But see, you, you have to start off. I have the scriptures as my authority. And when it differs with my ideas, who's going to win? Me, I, me, the scriptures. Me, the scriptures. I mean, you might wrestle for a while. 
but it needs to be the scriptures. So we go from there, and I want you to know that is cultural. That changes a whole group of people. I can go, I can live a hundred years ago and be with a culture, a group of people who believe that, and we're going to get along fine. I can go to South America, and I can fit in. I have to eat a lot more beans and stuff, but I, I'll fit in. Because that's a culture in itself, isn't it? At the end of the day, the same scriptures that I'm living by, they're living by. That's the standard. Devotion to discipleship. And you know, as we have small groups here, we believe in small groups. Um, it's not legalism. It's the pursuit of holiness. It's another set of eyes on you. It's a, it's a reaching out and other gifting. We come together as a family. I need another set of eyes on me. I need to get it with some people who know that I need prayer. I need their discernment when they see, if they see me from week to week or every other week, they can see that something's troubling me and they can intervene, they can discern and get into my life and help me. To help me from destruction. So we believe in discipleship, accountability, another set of eyes. I mean, honestly, When you're having a bunch of guys there and there's one slice of pizza left, you want that pizza, but you don't take it. Because other people are watching, they say, you already had five pieces. <laughs> the last piece of cake. Everyone knows you've had three, but you want the fourth. If those people weren't there, is there any battle over that piece of cake? It's, it's gone, brother. And so, tell me, if a set of eyes helps you in just not taking the last piece of cake, just think what it does for a whole life. Your morality, a culture. So, I do need to move along. Commitment to worship. The people who are committed to worship. You know, I, I, I love this. I get up in the morning, Sunday morning, and you know what? People see me leaving on Sunday morning. You know, they know where you're going. I go to the handyway, and there's people in there, and there's people in board shorts. There's guys in there, you know, dressed up. Where, the ones dressed up, where are they going? Unless they're coming here. <laughs> you, can see the, you can see the guys who go into church. So I, I you know, I go, going, hey, going to church, I see. He goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that took a lot. It's 8.30 Sunday morning, and the guy's got a tie on. And it's like, <laughs> immediately a culture is formed. I discerned he's going to church. <laughs> he discerned that I'm going to church. We're immediate friends. There's this old couple that they're in the handy way every, every morning. And I see them on Sunday morning all dressed up. I go, hey, you got to go worship today? I go, going to church? And he goes, well, we're going to the hall. They're Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> I, said, well, I said, you know, go worship Jehovah. You know, I'm going to also. And his son. <laughs> but a culture is made immediately. I can make a conversation like that and we're the best of friends. Because we have a culture. And we need to embrace that culture. We affect, we affect other cultures, but we have one our own. And we need, we need to walk in the truths of it. You know, cons, uh, consistent in service, you know, we've got the Lovely Project. You know, everybody, everyone helped on the whiskey and biz thing because all that money goes to the Lovely Project. 
cell leaders constantly in service. People this morning in the coffee are constantly in service. That's a culture. Everyone is up and about and doing and serving. That's a mark of a church. You know, everyone, if you've got friends going, do you, spend, do you go to church every day? If you need to find out that you go to a cell group, and you go to this meeting, and then there's Monday night classes. You're always at church. No, well, I'm constantly in service. I'm receiving or I'm giving. That's a mark of a church. Submission to divine will. At the end of the day, it's the Lord. Mutual love, passion and evangelism. And then number eight, not just spiritual discernment, but discernment by, you know, all together. There's discernment. <clears throat> Make your ears attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes. Wow, that's something. Yes. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And Monday night, we, had, we just finished our single classes. We just finished our marriage classes. We have financial classes. We have all kinds of classes. We've got healing classes. We have prophecy classes. And you know what? It says you stretch. I don't care what the education is. It could be growing chickens. You need to be constantly stretching and learning anything. It says, you know, when you do, you'll see and understand the fear of God. And you get blessed. It, it, whatever you're doing, be in a constant state of stretching out. And the more you learn, the more places you're going to find God and his incredible wisdom and blessing. You stretch for it. You find discernment. The more you learn, the greater the discernment you get to walk in. Well, let's... Oh, there is Luke. Just Jesus said to a crowd... <clears throat> now, he's getting on to them. And he's talking about, you know what? You need to have, be able to interpret where you are. It says, Jesus said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you do not know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you, oh no, he didn't say that, did he? Why don't you judge for yourself what is right? You know, you ready for this? I'm going to prophesy. Tomorrow, four o'clock, traffic is going to stop on I-4. I can interpret that. But I can see that this couple over here is struggling and struggling and struggling. They're not saying anything, but I can see it. I see the effects of it. I hear the sounds of it. And I say nothing. You hypocrite. You hypocrite. The church is to have discernment. And you might need to pray. You might need to get some other help. You might have to do some background. And then you ask the Lord, I said, Lord, give me that time to speak to that couple. Give me the opportunity. Give me the platform. 
Give me the discernment to change that. That's the mark of the church. That's how you create culture. That's the culture that we live in. We're supposed to be living in it. We hear all kinds of just crazy things in the news. You know, the government just said that your four-year-old, or excuse me, eight-year-old, can use any restroom at school. That my granddaughter has to go into the restroom with boys or the locker room with boys. I'm not sure. I might be stepping out on a a branch here, but is that just the stupidest thing you've ever heard? That's just... And they think there's something wrong with us. That is wrong on every... You're just not being tolerant. I think we should start these kids at an earlier age on learning how to be tolerant. What? They're transgender. That's their identity. Here's, a, here's something. Your sexual preference or behavior is not an identity. A transgender is a disorder, not an identity. For, get this. 41% of transgenders will attempt suicide. Is that an identity? That is a disorder. 41%. There's something wrong. They need to be loved. They need to be counseled. They need, someone needs to stand up and say, this is wrong. You know, I think I am trans, I mean, well, no. I'm, I'm a chiseled 23-year-old. Good looking, strong, and rich. Yeah, I can think that all day long. It ain't gonna happen. I, do you know now when I go to Walmart and I've got Abby or any of the girls, Bella, Rowan, I now have to go to the women's restroom, stand there to be sure I'm seeing who's going in and then tell the girls to go. I've seen men taking their daughter into the men's restroom. They're changing our culture. And I just, I dare any man, somebody said, they're transgender to go in that bathroom after I let my grandgirls in there. Now, here's something. I thought, what about if Crystal went in there and a guy went in there? I thought, I don't have to protect my wife. I feel sorry for the fool who went in after her. <laughs> and I, I know I've told this before, but you know when you're in an airport and you're rushing around and, and Crystal is... It's got to go. You know, if she knows she can't go, she's got to go. How many women are like that? As soon as I say, a bathroom doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> shouldn't have said that. You know, like, hey, filled up the tank. I got to go. I mean, she's gone to the restroom. I filled up the gas tank. She goes, can I go again? Like, just the thought that you're going to be locked in this car for the next 100, 200 miles. So we're at the restaurant. We're going to the airport. She goes, oh, just one more, one more. And she runs in there. She goes into the stall. She's in the stall. She thought she heard a 
man's voice. She comes out of the stall and there's a guy in the restroom. And she was just about to go up. She was going to be transspecies. She was going to be a tiger and rip his face off. She couldn't believe that this guy is in her restroom right in front of those urinals. <laughs> <laughs> She's done that twice. <laughs> I'm thinking, the first time I believed you. <laughs> wow. It's a disorder. Let me tell you, transgender identity. No, you get your identity from the person of Jesus Christ, according to the word. That's where your identity comes from. That's where your culture comes from. Sexual behavior is not an identity. That's not how you identify someone. By their sexual behavior, I'm sorry. You know, you slap God in the face In Psalms, it says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearful, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. What is that? And my soul knows it very well. I'm discerned that. That's discernment. The church is to be discerning. We were made in the image of God. And God he goes, God, you, you knew me before you formed me in my mother's belly, but why did you put that plumbing on? You made a mistake. You're accusing God of doing it wrong or denying he even exists. Well, you will no longer go your own way. This is when the Israelites... Before they go into the promised land, here's the, what the Lord says. He goes, before I give you the promise, the blessing, here's what you need to understand to get it. You will no longer go your own way as you do now. Everyone doing whatever he thinks is right. Does that not describe today? You know, unfortunately, that's where a lot of people are in the church. They just do whatever they feel like they want to do because, you know, I'm... But what my spirit does and what my body does are two different things. You don't get the blessing. You don't get to go into the promised land. It's God, God limiting man's behavior is giving man freedom to enjoy life. And see, the, the secularism says, no, you can't tell me to, you, you can't bind me to that stuff. You can't say that this is wrong and that's right. The Bible tells us, limits our behavior for our protection and our liberty. <clears throat> Jesus is describing, he's explaining the sower, the parable of the sower. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That word understanding is discernment. The one who discerns this. See, it's not just, oh, I heard the words. No, you have to discern it. 
said, the one who discerns it, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what he has sown. Jesus is telling us until we get to the place and we start standing up and say, this is right, that's wrong. I need to go over here. I need to ask them a question. You are discerning those things. You've come into an understanding and said, that person gets the benefits. You know what? I'm discerning that they have the discernment. <laughs> it works that way too. You know what? I'm discerning right now. I'm going to go ask somebody about my finances. That's good discernment on my on my part, to go ask someone else that I've discerned they're smarter than I am. Wow. I get the benefit of that fellowship about being a family. The world is trying to say, sit down, be quiet. That's, un that's offensive. Jesus is saying, stand up, discern, speak. Be a culture. Be a culture again. Be connected. But it starts at the very beginning. Is your doctrine right? And is the Bible the last word on the issue? If that's it, there are millions of other believers that believe the same thing that we're connected with. Millions and millions. We have a huge culture. The culture that we're part of, its identity is found in Christ. No matter where you go. You have a culture. Wherever you move to, you have a culture. They're meeting in some building right now. They're singing songs to the Lord. There are many of us who are afraid to discern. See, discerning is only fully active if you walk it out. You know, hey, I know this is going to happen. What'd you do? Nothing. You did nothing. That wasn't discernment. Well, I should have. Discernment. The scriptures are telling us to stop being quiet. Now, you just don't run off. But you need to act upon your discernment. And if you're discerning something in this person, that person, you ask the Lord. Said, Lord, let, give me an opportunity. Give me the platform. Give me someone to go to that will help me to get to there. Father, give me the discernment on who I need to put into my life. But then you need to speak up. You need to do it. I want to speak to that person. You said, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't, I'm not that type of person. You are if you're a part of this culture. If you're going to be a part of the church, you need to be. Or else the Bible calls you a hypocrite. Oh, I can see this and I can see that. But you won't step up and act upon this situation over here. You won't press into this person's life. Jesus said you're a hypocrite. That needs to change today. We need to say yes to discernment. Well, it sounds like you're just judging them. I'm not judging you. You know, like a transgender, I'm not judging them. They need to be loved. They need to be prayed for. They need counseling. Someone needs to save those people. But you can't save them 
by saying, you know what, we're going to let you use the restroom that my grandchildren use. That's enabling them. They're wrong. The Bible says they're wrong. They need love, help, counseling. To the world, that's being judgmental. No, the Bible puts limits on mankind for mankind's good and prosperity. So guys, girls, are you that person that's held back? That's held back. Afraid to take a stand because I want to be thought of as judgmental. Today's the day. You need to receive your gifting. The gift of discernment. To speak. To speak into your life and to others' lives. Test your discernment with others. You can test it. And somebody say, I think you got something. Then you've got to go with it. If you're out of fellowship, how do you test it? You can't test such things. If you don't, if you don't know you know, the, the, the teachings of the scriptures, it's hard to test it. That's why all the marks of the church have to be in place for this last one to really fit. Stretch and learn. So let's stand. You know who you are. If I'd only said something to them. Bible tells us that if you see a sword coming for someone and you don't warn them that their blood is against you. If you see a sword coming and you don't speak up it doesn't mean that they're going to follow you but when that sword does strike them you've done your responsible part. So now just, I'm just allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you. Because there's some of you who are being given a mandate today. Get help. Bounce it off somebody you trust who knows the Word. Who has the right spirit. If you see a sword coming to a marriage, to an individual. And you say nothing. And they get flattened. It's on you. The church needs to discern. And we create a culture. We create a complete different culture. We live in safety. So Father, Lord, I, I commission those who know exactly what I'm talking about. That I'm not going to be a gossip. I'm not going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to maybe get counsel. But Lord, let that person be commissioned to go and warn about the sword coming. Enable them. Let them know before they get to their car. I've been commissioned. Father, we want the church to be a culture. That everything around us 
sees that we are our own culture. Let us, the world, envy the promises that we get. The freedoms that we have through limitations. Wow. That's, that's impossible for them to even understand. But they'll see that the culture is different from the one they live in. Father, we love your word. We are thankful for your son. Father, we love the culture of your church. Let us walk fully in it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Hey, it's Memorial Day. Let's have a shout. Come on, yeah!